Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back to another episode of the Core 4 Podcast. The Core 4 is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And Nathan Chester cannot join me today, but it's all good because I am joined by Mr. Hustle, Brandon Abraham himself. Brandon, how's it going? I'm doing really good right now, Parker. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I can't really complain. And so news broke right before this podcast started per the whole the commercial reason I'm appeals. doing really good right now. It is. It is the reason why Mr. Hustle is doing absolutely fantastic right now. The commercial appeals, Evan Barnes, broke the news that Dusty Hannas of the Memphis Hustle has been given a 10-day contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. And so people who follow Brandon's work with the Memphis Hustle, they've, they've seen Dusty Hannas' name pop up a few times. And so, Brandon, for the people that may not have seen your amazing Hustle reports. What could the Grizzlies expect from Dusty Hannah's? And also, like, what should we know about Dusty Hannah's? I mean, he, he's a sharp shooter from beyond the arc. Um, he's been a top five in the G League the past three seasons in three point percentage. Uh, this year, he's really taken on a heavier scoring load as an all around scorer, not just from deep. Um, he's currently second in the G League with 702 points on the season. A lot of that is from beyond the arc. Um, he's shooting above 40%. He's a great shooter. Um, defensively, he's, you know, his size, he's limited on what he can do on the defensive end. He's an undersized two guard. Uh, but what he lacks in size, he makes up with an effort. Um, you know, I mean, in certain instances, the effort won't get you anywhere, but you can at least appreciate, you know, him trying on that end whereas you know you see some guys in the nba who only play on the offensive side of the ball um but yeah he, he's a uh, solid shooter to add to the end of the bench um what i'm mostly curious about is what the grizzlies decide to do with dusty um if they plan on keeping him around more long term or if this is kind of just a uh nod to the cap for the great work he's done for the hustle the past three years um because march 1st as you know parker is the deadline for the playoff eligibility um so whoever the grizzlies playoff roster is gonna whoever's gonna be on that roster will need to be signed by march 1st so do they similar to last year cut dusty's 10-day deal short and sign someone else to an end-of-year deal or do they convert dusty to an end-of-year contract once his 10 days are up um that's really what I'm mostly curious about um, is if they plan on kind of keeping Dusty around or if this is just a uh, tip of the cap, you know, and a thank you for his service to the hustle. Right. 
And that is a good thing to wonder too, because I mean, from what you wrote uh, last week, I believe, I don't think there's really any better options out there on the market, at least G League wise, than Dusty Hannah's. And to be honest, there's nobody really on the buyout market or the free agent market that's going to come in and take minutes from anybody in the Grizzlies rotation right now, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no one out there that's really worth it to go out and get and try and lock in. Um, you know, Dusty's one of the best players in the G League, and the G League is where I thought the Grizzlies should go to fill out their last roster spot. Because um, at the end of the day, we're talking about the 15th guy off, off the bench. Really, we can kind of say 17th if you want to count, or 18th if you want to count the two two ways. So they're not, they don't figure to be a uh, contributor in the playoffs regardless. You know, they're not going to go out and sign J.R. Smith or Jamal Crawford, you know, a veteran scoring threat. You know, they, I just don't see them doing that. So, you know, whether it's Dusty or someone else, they're probably not going to play much in the playoffs. But, you know, it's good to see Dusty get rewarded. And, you know, obviously, if you follow me, you know that I hope he gets to stick around for the rest of the year. Right. And one thing to also think about, too, is just insurance policy. So as we know, uh, it was announced a few weeks back that Grayson Allen wasn't going to return this season because of a hip injury. And then they already got insurance policy as a big man for uh, with um, the addition of Jordan Bell. In theory, Josh Jackson, and to a lesser extent, Marco Goodrich, is that insurance policy of Justice Winslow can't go at much this season or if he comes back and he gets hurt or something happens with Kyle Anderson. We know his heels kind of flared up a lot this year. And they don't really have anybody at that two-guard spot. Like if something would happen with Melton or something happens to the Brooks, maybe even if something happened at the point guard position. But also, God forbid, none of that happens. But it's also a chance for them to kind of go – a route similar to like what the Miami Heat have done and find these guys that they've had in their G League systems and just seeing what they got because you said this on GBB last week. Dusty Hannes can just come in and be kind of like Troy Daniels. And if you're getting that from your 15, 14th, 15th guy instead of your 8th or ninth guy like he was, like Troy Daniels was in Memphis, that's a win. So that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I mean – you know, it's kind of like we talked on GBB Live last week with the Troy Daniels comparison. I mean, especially with the, this four-game road trip coming up, I mean, hopefully the games are competitive, but there's, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility the Grizzlies are getting their butts kicked in L.A. at some point this weekend. Why not throw Dusty out there? You know, if things aren't working, it's a new look, something to try out. And, I mean, he he's not going to be afraid to shoot the ball. Um, so you, you get a chance to see what you got in a player and – kind of like we talked on GBB Live last week, I wouldn't be shocked if, um, you know, this offseason, whether it's Utah or Conchar, I'd probably lean towards Utah. Um, but one of them maybe get converted to a, you know, guaranteed deal with the club, and then Dusty ends up getting a two-way spot. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, I'm excited for Dusty. He's uh, been a class act to work with the last three years. Um, you know, always had talked about the dreams of making it to the NBA and, you know, got a chance last year, got a 10-day, um, had to cut it short once uh, Jonas was out for the year with injury, so they had to go, had to cut Dusty to go sign a big man, but hopefully it uh, lasts longer this time. 
Absolutely. And so you mentioned the Grizzlies road trip. The Grizzlies are back tonight. They'll be taking on the Sacramento Kings. And Brandon, I wanted to get your view on like, what's the biggest story? Like obviously the playoffs, but like, what is like, who's like someone or what's something that you're looking forward to seeing over the next two months? The obvious answer is Justice Winslow. Um, how long is he going to be out? You know, they're going to be cautious bringing him back. Um, and then what role will he play when he comes back? We'll probably start off on the bench, but how long does it take him, you know, to surpass Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup? Um, so that's kind of my easy answer there. Um, you know, biggest, you know, big trade acquisition we got, you know, from the Iggy trade basically decided to forego doing anything this off season in free agency, you know, taking on Winslow at the deadline. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. Um, what's his role, you know, cause Miami, he excelled kind of as a de facto point guard with the ball in his hands. That's obviously Jaws job. So how does he, how does Winslow play kind of going back to off ball? Um, a lot of stuff to figure out, but I'm excited to see how Winslow gets incorporated into the rotation. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. Um, I, I can kind of picture him back around mid-March, and he comes off the bench, right? He He's probably at least for the first couple of weeks, depending on you know, depending on how they do with Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup, which so far they've been great with Kyle in the starting lineup, and they'll, they'll ease him back into it. Um, so I, I don't know when he'll start. He has the talent to come in and start, you know, fairly quickly, but I'd imagine Jenkins will kind of ease him into the rotation and ease him, you know, into some big minutes instead of just throwing him in the fire. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and even then, the Grizzlies bench since Danthy Melton's entered the rotation, it's been superb. I mean, they've they're like top ten in bench scoring, and then it just it's one of those things where there's no drop off or anything when you go from starters to bench. Because off the bench, you have Tyus Jones, Danthony Melton. Um, for a lot of the season, it's been Solomon Hill, but now you're getting Josh Jackson. And then you got Brandon Clark and Gorgie Dang. And so replace Josh Jackson with Justice Winslow. That bench is probably creeping, you know, top 10, top five status. And that's going to that's be nice in the playoffs, you know, because it gives you the luxury of just being able to toss out different lineup combinations. Obviously, you're going to be playing the Lakers in the first round if you make it. So Winslow is another big, a big versatile body, a big physical defender. That could, you know, take on some minutes guarding LeBron, you know? Like, who knows? Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up a great point there. Um, you know, obviously looking ahead to a potential first-round matchup with the Lakers, Kyle Anderson can't guard LeBron for 48 minutes. Um, LeBron will probably play some small ball four. Jaron and Brandon guarding him is not going to, you know, you can't consistently do that. Jaron will get in foul trouble super quickly. Clark can get in foul trouble or get overmatched. I mean, it's kind of similar to what the Grizzlies did when they kind of shut down in quotation marks Damian Lillard the other night. They threw a bunch of different bodies at him. They threw 
Matthias, they threw DeAnthony, they threw Dylan, they threw Kyle, they threw Josh. So having someone like Justice Winslow who is big enough to kind of be physical and not make things easy for LeBron in a potential playoff series could be huge. I agree. And so this was a question on our GBB roundtable, and unfortunately you didn't get the chance to answer this because we weren't in the same roundtable group. But Joe had asked, Justice Winslow is pretty clearly a valued new piece by the Grizzlies front office. Was acquiring his services worth essentially missing out on free agency this summer in your eyes? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, Just because I don't see anyone on the open market that the Grizzlies could go out and get that will be better than Justice Winslow. And that's without even factoring in you know, contract situations, just, just from a pure skill standpoint, the only two people that come to mind that the Grizzlies had a semi shot of going to get, um, Joe Harris would be a solid fit. Um, but you know, you don't know how much he's cost. And I, I take Winslow over the long term over Joe Harris. And then you have Brandon Ingram in new Orleans, who I'd, I'd still be shocked if he's not announced to a five-year max deal with the Pelicans, you know, as one of Waj's save drafts um, for right when the free agency opens up. So I think it's worth it. Um, I know people were kind of, you know, upset with how quickly they waived Dion Waiters, thinking they could flip his contract for something in the offseason. But I think all in all, Grizzlies weren't going to get somebody better than Justice Winslow in free agency, so go get him in a trade. Uh, don't do anything dumb this offseason like the Kings did this past offseason. Run it back next year, and then they figure to be big players in the market in 2021. Mm-hmm. Well said, because, you know, I'd rather get, I'd rather have, you know, Winslow's remaining two years, $26 million, and next year, the next season's a team option, anyways. That last year, so if he's still unhealthy, just it's not going to work. You don't have to pick up the team option, and then otherwise, you're paying Joe Harris or even Bogdan Bogdanovich from Sacramento. You're paying them probably a four and sixty to get them away from Brooklyn and Sacramento. I just don't know if that's worth it. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're not trying to make moves for next year you're making moves for three to four years down the road and you know like you say you don't want to tie up long-term money to guys that kind of fringe guys Winslow's on a good contract you can kind of figure out if he's you know that small forward with the lineup they have now um and if he's not you can cut your ties and move on and if he is you know you proceed and fill out your needs however you see fit. Um, but I, I think he has a great contract for his skill set, and it's you're not going to get a better bang for your buck uh, this offseason. So I, I think it was well worth it, you know, the trade this past deadline. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, the one player that I'm looking forward to seeing post-All-Star break is Josh Jackson. Um, so he came up. Around January, like little late January, early February, and he came from the hustle. And I really respected what the Grizzlies did. They waited until there was a clear opportunity for playing time. So he came up around the time where Grayson Allen got hurt. 
as well as when Jay Crowder had gotten hurt, but also too, they probably had in the back of their minds that, okay, Crowder and Hill are probably going to be gone soon. Let's try to get Josh Jackson some run and see what we got. And so um, from an eye test standpoint, his scoring isn't absolutely there right now, but I've seen accelerated development uh, as a playmaker. Um, he made some passes against the, in the Portland game where I was, just, I was taken back. They were pretty good passes, and that's something you want from the wing position. And he's also been a very good positional defender. Um, he's been very active on the glass, very active in the passing lanes. It's something that Coach Jenkins was very high on when I asked him about it in the press conference after the game. And the thing that really caught my eye was the stat from cleaning the glass is the Grizzlies leaders and on off plus minus Josh Jackson plus 17.4 in 112 minutes and DeAnthony Melton plus 15.4 in 698 minutes. So the Grizzlies are 17 points better with Josh Jackson on the floor than off. Granted, is that all because of him? No, but it's definitely a positive sign for a guy that is kind of known as to be a negative in almost every area while he was in Phoenix. So it's promising, but you were the guy that saw him basically all season. I mean, is what I'm saying kind of like lining up with what you think, or is there a side of Josh Jackson that we're not seeing? I mean, the side you're not seeing right now and you kind of hinted at it is the scoring. Um, But I think it's a good thing. We're not seeing it because, that was kind of Josh's reputation in Phoenix a little bit was it was almost like he was a ball stopper. He'd get the ball and, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the best comparison is like early career Rudy Gay where he'd get the ball and he'd shoot the ball, you know, didn't do much of anything else. Um, he mentioned it in the, from the Portland game, played great defense, you know, really surprises you with some of the passes he can make. Um, so the the only thing that, you know, Grizzlies fans aren't seeing that. I got to see a lot down in South Haven is his scoring ability. Um, obviously, going up against G-Leaguers, it was a lot easier for him. So I'm curious to see how he does at the NBA level with the Grizzlies. But I like seeing how he hasn't forced anything since he's been put in the lineup. He's letting the game come to him. He's, you know, doing what Jenkins asked of him. Um I, I, I'm not sure if he's long for the Grizzlies. Uh, I'm, I'm sure somewhere he's still probably not pleased that he spent half the season down in South Haven. But I do think he's done enough to revive his NBA career. Um, and, you know, hopefully he gets a chance, you know, especially while with Winslow still out to, uh, you know, kind of solidify his spot and prove his worth to the organization. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, transition perfectly to why I'm, eyeing him so hard is because he's a free agent this summer. He's an unrestricted free agent after the team didn't pick up his uh, option prior to training camp. I think he's going to be pretty cheap just because the market's going to be very dry. There's not a lot of teams of money and we just don't know his reputation around the league. So I see it as one of those things where like, if he wants to be in Memphis, there's a pathway for him to be here unless they just want to go elsewhere and, acquire someone else at that position. Maybe it's one of those where they use that spot. I would imagine them actually using Guterich's spot to fill with like Yuta or Conchar, or if they want to 
bring up both and have two open two-way spots, they could do that. But, I mean, is there a future role for Josh Jackson beyond just like a defensive spark plug off the bench? And that's what I'm not sure. Um, Grizzlies have a lot of depth, so long-term. I'm not quite sure where Josh could fit in the picture, um, especially with the acquisition of Justice Winslow. That kind of leads me to believe that the front office isn't, you know, particularly hopeful to have Josh around in the long haul. But to your point, they could keep Josh around, give him a one-year kind of prove-it deal, you know, in a sense maybe offer him, you know, let him know he'll have a role from the beginning of the season through the end and let him kind of go out there and show out. But, you know, it, a lot of it depends on the offers he gets. I think the money's dry. I think he's a prime candidate, whether it's with Memphis or anywhere else, to get a one-year prove-it deal. And it just kind of depends. Can he get more minutes in Memphis or in New York with the Knicks or – you know, really anywhere else, you know, Golden State's a particularly interesting option to me. Um, you know, he could fit in on a good team that'll have money. Um, but I think he's done enough to revive his career. I'm just not sure if the Grizzlies are going to be the ones to uh, keep him around for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So we are here with Mr. Hustle, Brandon Abraham, senior staff writer over at GBB. And so I just wanted to close the show with, you know, I kind of stole this from Joe and doing a little question of the day. I wanted to talk about the Grizzlies and the award races because it's not just jaw. I think dark horse candidates could be Taylor Jenkins for coach of the year and Zach Kleiman for executive of the year. So aside from John Morant, which Grizzly will win an award this season? Jenkins coach of the year. Climbing executive of the year, both are neater, and neat, and actually both won at thirty five point seven percent. Probably f- phrased it wrong, where I should have said which Grizzly is more likely to win an award this year between them two. But there cert- seems to be optimism around the two getting, you know, pretty big awards. I mean, a rookie head coach and a rookie GM getting coach of the year and executive of the year. That's not really heard of often. I mean, what do you think of their shots at winning these awards? I, I, I voted neither. Um, mostly just because like you said, a rookie, it would be like you said, unheard of for an, a single organization to have the rookie of the year on the court a rookie win executive of the year and a rookie coach win coach of the year. I mean, that's just, I didn't look it up, but I'd imagine that would be the first time in NBA history that's happened. And I mean, the Grizzlies have, you know, way blown out the odds. You know, they've been a lot better than people expected, but at the end of the day, they're still the eighth seed in the West and have a tough schedule. So a lot rides on whether or not they make the playoffs. If they make the playoff, I think both Kleiman and Jenkins are in the discussion and, you know, honorable men- honorable mentions. But I just think there's too many names in both categories to uh, for them to really win the award, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, speaking of those names, like 
start with coach of the year. I mean, who's your prime coach of the year candidate this season? So I kind of did a little bit of background research on it just because I'm curious of what I see being executive of the year or coach of the year. Sorry. Um, They don't really kind of like with a lot of the player awards, they don't like to do repeat. So although Mike Budenholzer has the bucks on a historic pace, I don't necessarily see him getting it. I kind of see him getting the honorable mention type. I think the coach of the year is Nick Nurse. He has the Raptors at 40 and 15 after losing Kawhi Leonard. Um, I mean, I think he's done a phenomenal job. You know, Pascal Siakam's taken another huge leap. Um, Frank Vogel is going to get a lot of votes just for the work he's done with the Lakers and them going from a non-playoff team to the first seed. Uh, obviously, a more healthy and engaged LeBron alongside his new pal Anthony Davis goes a lot into that. You've got Billy Donovan with the Thunder who, you know, has turned a team similar to the Grizzlies that many thought would be lottery bound to the playoffs after losing Westbrook and Paul George. But I think Jenkins in in that category with those guys for coach of the year because, you know, the Grizzlies weren't supposed to be this good and Jenkins doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for the Grizzlies' success. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Nick Nurse is my pick. I mean, the fact that they're 40 and 15 in a very top-heavy conference, while their minute leaders are Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, and Pascal Siakam. And I'm looking right now, and Lowry's missed eight games, Van Fleet's missed 10, Siakam's missed 11, Gasol's missed 20. And Abaka's missed 11. And they're still, even though they've gotten hit, and even Norman Powell's missed almost 20 games. Despite and he's miss all the, he's out another week. Right. And, you know, he's just unearthed all these gems. I mean, for one, he somehow found another level of Pascal Siakam that's like a top 10, top 15 player in that kind of territory right there. You know, he's getting big minutes from Patrick McCall. He's getting big minutes from Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Terrence Davis, Chris. Chris, uh, you're the G League guy. Pronounce his last name for me. It's Boucher or Boucher? I think it's Boucher, but uh, don't quote me on it. <laughs> yeah. So that just seems like the easy lock. Like you said, they lost Kawhi and Danny Green. It's it's easy. And with Jenkins, yeah, I mean, the offense looks – I mean, nobody – expected the offense to look this good, especially with a rookie point guard with a bunch of young players. And they have one of the better offenses in the NBA since, you know, job returned from his back injury and nobody expects them to be at the eight seed. And it's easy. It's easy to be, Oh yeah. It's because of John Morant, you know, it's because Jaron Jackson Jr. Brandon Clark, all these guys, but I mean, coach Jenkins has proven that he can flat coach and he might be the best coach they've had since they fired Jaeger. And so, I mean, I agree. Yeah. And with the exact of the year, it's always kind of tough because nobody ever really thinks about this. Obviously, we know the job that Kleiman's done. The second getting the second pick does help, but he managed to turn one trade that Mike Conley trade into just a dom- domino effect of building out his entire roster. I mean, he used Kyle Corver to attach onto a younger player, and he got Josh Jackson to Anthony Melton as well as two second round picks. And then he also used the giant trade exception in there to get not only Andre Udala, but 
2024 top four protected pick from Golden State, an aging Golden State team. And he managed to turn Andre Iguodala into Justice Winslow, a young piece, even though Andre Iguodala hasn't played all year. And then he moved up to get Brandon Clark. And there's just so many different dot rippling effects just based off that one move. And then he also nailed the coaching hire too. It's easy to pick him. Um, I don't know who you got, but I I got Sam Presti. I mean, the fact they were supposed to be with the Grizzlies around that, you know, 12 to 14, 15 range. Uh, they were supposed to trade Chris Paul. They're supposed to trade Gallinari. And he set to his guns. And now he managed to turn Paul George and Russell Westbrook into Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Delino Gallinari, and a boatload of draft picks. So, I mean, I. I can make an argument for climbing, but I may have to go with Presti here. And a lot of it depends on, and I don't think laziness is the right word, but how much in-depth research, you know, the voters for executive of the year do. Because, I mean, if you look at the ripple effects of the Conley trade, the savvy move after savvy move that climate and company has made, you know, deserve national recognition. It's been phenomenal and has really helped the Grizzlies reboot process, but kind of looking at the history of the award, it goes to one of the two or three best teams in either conference. Um, I think Sam Presti deserves a ton of credit for everything he did, you know, trading Westbrook and Paul George and getting the amount of assets they got in return while also remaining competitive. Um, you've got Pat Riley with the Heat. You know, they had the big Jimmy Butler signing. You've got, you know, Rob Palenka with the Lakers, you know, able to go out and get Anthony Davis. Um, but I think it might go to Michael Winger of the Clippers um, just because, I mean, it's kind of pure luck that, oh, hey, Kawhi decided he wants to uh, play in L.A. for the Clippers and he wants to play with Paul George. And Paul George wants to come and play with them, figure out, you know, the minor details of the trade and, Voila, that's all he had to do. But, you know, the fact that the Clippers are going to be a, you know, top three or four seed in the West, um, big market, you know, acquired two, you know, all star level players this offseason. With the way the voting kind of goes, I, I tend to think it might go to Michael Winger. And the one thing with climbing that is interesting to me is, you know, the, the way they dealt with the Andre Iguodala situation has been semi-controversial. Most most of the smart people out there have kind of understood, you know, it was smart for the Grizzlies to hold on and get another asset out of Andre Iguodala. But there could be some voters out there who thought Kleiman and them handled it wrong, and that could actually hurt him in the process. I'd imagine those who think holy crap, he got a first-round pick and Justice Winslow for, you know, basically cap space. Um, I think that'll outweigh the negatives of people that could view the Iggy situation negatively. But, you know, that's just one thing that's interesting. But I just think with the Grizzlies only going to be the eighth seed in the playoffs and the Clippers going to host a first-round series, I think it's going to go to Winger. Um, but I think Presti or Climate are probably the most deserving yeah, I agree. I mean, fat, I, they're just overachieving. Um, you can even make a case for Pat Riley, not for just bringing in Jimmy Butler when they had zero cap space at all. I mean, they 
made the right call and be like, hey, we don't need Whiteside anymore because we have Adebayo. I don't know if that's much of a factor into anything, but also with getting out of bio, they brought a four space for Myers Leonard, but also too, I mean, it look it's looking like they nailed the hero pick and the nine and Robinson signings look brilliant. So, I mean, I think there's an argument too for Pat Riley, but you know, the big moves, you got to give it to the guy that he brought in two superstars to play on the same team whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers. And even with the Clippers, they also brought in Marcus Morris at the trade deadline, so that could play a factor too, especially if it ultimately leads to a title. I was going to say, if the Morris and then the Reggie Jackson acquisitions, if those work out, you know, at least for the regular season, the way the Clippers hope they do, that could kind of be the uh, you know, cherry on top for the uh, you know, wingers uh, year for the Clippers. I mean, not to take credit away from him, but I, I mean, I do kind of think he lucked into it, you know. Kawhi, none of that happens if Kawhi doesn't decide he wants to go to L.A. and play for the Clippers. I'm not sure how much convincing um, it actually took on their part to get him to go there. Um, you know, the Kawhi to L.A. rumors had been around since before he was traded from San Antonio. But, I mean, it, it's a tough crowd, you know, it's. And I think it speaks, you know, volumes that both Climate and Jenkins deserve to be in that conversation, you know, even with our Grizz fandom put aside, both of those guys deserve to be recognized for the amazing work they've done this year. I have said it better myself. And so, Brandon, we have to wrap up here. Tell the people where they can find you and your work. You can find me on Twitter at BC Abraham. Um, and as always, you can go to www.grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, every Thursday, I'll have a hustle report out. And, you know, I, I back you up covering the Grizzlies, you know, so there's all sorts of content out there. Um, just check it all out. Yes, sir. Check it out. Be sure to follow my guy, Brandon Abraham at BC Abraham, the Grizzlies two-way game day coverage correspondent. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four, not the word four. Be sure to like, subscribe, download, or whatever the application may do. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or any other platform you may use. And with that, that's all. That's all.